this is like the old days where the stream was waiting for the stream to go live. <laughs> Hello, coders. I hope everybody is doing well. It's a it's a bit of a an an odd one tonight because um, well, this is a new setup and uh, it's not all set up. The yeah. Let's not get into it, but it's not all set up, hence no intro music. Um, I hope everybody can hear okay. Today we're going to be talking about interview um, tips. So it's 10, 10, interview t 10 technical interview tips that I have uh, for you today. And it, this was off of the back of a question that I was asked last week uh, regarding, you know, if I could mention some expectations of uh things that i would expect from both being an interviewer and an interviewee because i've been both in the past um and i've i've condensed it down to 10 things i try to go for five non-technical things and five technical things although it kind of ma sort of merges into one so <clears throat> hopefully we'll uh, hopefully we'll um Hopefully it'll make a little bit of sense. This, as always, is is live. So if anybody's got any questions, then please do uh, do ask. And uh, there is no drink today, unfortunately. <laughs> um, just a, a cup of tea. Uh, but I've just been so rushed off my feet recently that um, uh, trying to set up this new new thing that we have, I've lost a lot of. No, I haven't say. I wouldn't say it's lost. The stuff that I need for this stream isn't on my current setup at the moment, so that's why it's a bit, a bit odd. Hey, we were. Thank you for um, for joining. Uh, right. So, ten technical interview tips. So I try to. I started this out to be expectations. So things that to expect when you are. Um, uh, taking an interview, but also conducting an interview. So I've done it in both the, both things. Um, oh, this is a relevant topic apparently to uh, to Wineblood. Okay, hopefully this will uh, hopefully this will will become be some use. So the first one um, is to expect to be nervous. Now this might sound a little bit silly, right? A little daft. Of course you're going to be nervous, right? But I want to talk about some mechanisms, some some things that uh, you can do or things that I've done in the past to calm your nerves down. And on the flip side, what happens when you get too nervous? Because I've done both um, and I've been on the receiving end of this and I've also been on the end where I am the nervous one. So and I'll be talking into the different contexts in terms of uh, when you're doing it remotely and when you're actually going into an interview. Um, so nervousness is something that is just completely natural. Everybody is nervous. In fact, if you go into an interview and you're not nervous, then personally, I think that that is, um, that that's a bit of an issue because you want to be, you want to have that anxiousness, that sort of the unknowing, the excitement, the thing is that when you go, when you're too nervous, sometimes, and this can have different effects on people, sometimes when you're too nervous, you start um, talking really fast. You want to just rush through all the answers. If you're, if you're given a technical test, and we'll talk about some of those later, um, sometimes you'll rush through them, right? Um, so the things that I do or have done in order to 
combat this is to think about um, is to is to think about the question in its entirety more than once before you go and um, field the answer. So you're giving yourself time to calm down, and also before going into the interview, um, just having a, a period a period of time where you are you're doing something completely different to what you're going to do. So for instance, um, uh, for me right now, if I'm interviewing and I'm, you know, because of COVID, everything's done online on zoom. What I would do is like uh, before the interview, I would go and just stare at something in the garden for a period of time and just sort of zone out for a bit collect my thoughts. Don't just go into, you shouldn't just have a really rushed day and then suddenly go into an interview. It should be, you should, you should try and tailor your day to give yourself enough time in order to prepare yourself for the stresses of the interview. Um, and also whilst you're in the interview, um, try and have a little level of, um, self-awareness that you are actually, being too nervous or you're being too apprehensive or you're being too guarded or you are talking too much, you're rattling through things too much or you're rambling too much. Um, these are all things that I often do. <laughs> so if someone asks me a question and that question is, um, uh, you know, in an interview and uh, that question is actually quite a simple question to answer, often I will find myself going around the houses to answer it. And in fact, the, the person who is, who is asking you the question is going to get fed up because they've got a bunch of other questions to ask and you've spent, you know, five, 10 minutes answering this one question. Um, we'll get on to talking about questions and the way to answer those in, in more detail in, in just a minute. Hey, Martin, uh, 958, thank you for joining today. Do appreciate that. Today we're talking about interviews, technical style interviews, and 10 tips for those things. I'm going to break this down into my, my experience as well uh, of both being on the, on the receiving end and also the, and also the interviewer. So I have been um, fortunate enough to be brought into a bunch of interviews as the technical person to get the the technical, to be the technical guy, I suppose, in the interview, um, to field technical questions and to analyze technical responses. Um, but I've also, I've, I've certainly done my fair share of interviews actually going in to an interview as the person after the job. Um, <laughs> so, so we're going to try and attack it in both sort of, both sort of ways. So the first one is nervousness. So expect to be nervous and therefore try and combat those nerves. Um, if you are the person conducting the interview, expect that the person coming in is going to be nervous and then try and help that person to, um, to alleviate, to alleviate those nerves. Um, you know, get someone, get, uh, give that person a coffee or a drink, you know, um, take that person through the, through the team, you know, to show the, the working environment, that kind of thing. Um, and also if you are holding an interview and you know that the person's nervous and therefore he's going at a million miles an hour in terms of their responses and also rambling, 
then you you as the person it can take charge of that and ask them to break down their responses in smaller chunks you know and do it with a do it in a way that isn't you're not you're not um you're not getting on that person's back you are just asking them to explain um a little bit more about a specific topic that they've mentioned that kind of thing okay so number 2 uh is again this is this is quite um, an obvious one but i think that uh, a, a lot of people fail on this and that is to be on time so punctuality 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 is really really important um you want to i mean i i i'm not very punctual at all i will um uh th- th- i'm not very good at estimating time either <laughs> typical dev uh, but also um i will i will tr- i will th- yeah i i just won't i just won't handle my time great greatly but when it comes to interviews uh there is only two rules and that is you are either late or you are early there is no on time because you should expect them to be early and therefore when they are early they know exactly when you're late <laughs> so in this world of of zoom meetings and you know google hangouts and all of this stuff you want to be the person who is waiting to join to be allowed in you don't want to come to that meeting that online meeting with those people already there <laughs> so you want to give yourself enough time and if we if we're talking about the non sort of zoomy online stuff so when you're actually going out to um to to travel to go to the interview make sure that you have planned the journey well in advance so you are aware of you know when when the traffic is heavy you know uh, you've got different routes in um and also you want to allow yourself between i think 15 to a half an hour of you know once you're at the office before you can actually get in that kind of thing um this also gives you the opportunity to to go to the loo <laughs> uh so if you've traveled a great distance you're probably i don't know you're probably nervous so you're very you know sweating perhaps you probably need a drink uh, you probably need to go to the loo you need to collect your thoughts you've probably just gone through a very stressful time of travel um you need that period of time just to get your head right and get your get your thoughts in order um and also it shows good manners i believe if you are on time or if you're early it shows that you are you've planned for this it's far better than someone just rocking up you know 5 minutes late if they're 5 minutes late it's far worse for you as someone going into the interview then it is turning up 5 minutes early um and in fact 5 minutes early i would say is too too short of a time um so yeah with the online world make sure that you are sat by your desk with everything working and we'll get on to the preparation of stuff um in in just a second so make sure that you are there and you're waiting and you're ready to join um before they are there that's the goal that's your goal you don't want to suddenly turn up and they're there right um they want you want to allow them to to go oh yeah he he's already here so let's start right um 
And when you're offline, so when you're traveling to an interview, you want to make sure that you have allowed yourself enough time to to cover things like traffic jams, to cover things like um, you know problems with your car. Make sure that you've got your your fuel in your car the night before, that kind of stuff. Make sure your clothes, and we'll get on to um, presentability uh, in a minute. Make sure all of those is, are done. Um, make sure that the only thing that you have to worry about that day is getting to the interview on time and, and, tr- and, and uh, hitting that interview in, you know, with the best, in the best possible case. So, yeah. <laughs> Am I being nervous right now? Probably. Yeah, probably. Okay. So, uh, number three is something that we've just recently touched on, and that is to be presentable. Now, this is a bit weird because, um, you know, it's one of these things where everybody has a different sort of take on how to be presentable in the sense that in the olden days, everyone was wearing a suit. Um, and I have been to interviews wearing a full, full blown suit, um, that you, a suit that you would wear perhaps to a wedding, for instance. <laughs> Or, or something like that, some formal occasion, uh, I have worn a suit, many suits, many times, to interviews. Um, but not so much these days. Not so much these days. However, there is a very big extreme from being super, super smart to being extremely scuff- scruffy. And I know that people, you shouldn't judge like a, a book by its cover, that kind of thing, but people do. People do. That's the long, long and short of it. People will judge you as soon as you walk into that door. Therefore, you need to be presentable. Um, in the off, in, in the online world where people are interviewing you, um, over a Zoom, you want to also make sure that your lighting is correct, which, so don't follow my example at the moment because I've got a huge dark spot just here, which I was trying to get rid of. But, uh, yeah, you want to make sure you, you're in a, a well lit, lit room so they can actually see you and you want to try and do it in a room where it's nice and quiet so you won't be having any interruptions during that i mean life happens things happen right but you want to be you 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 want to present an image of yourself and it's a bit different doing it online than it is doing it offline offline you know, people can judge you by the way you walk into a room. You know, when we were allowed to shake hands, <laughs> that was that was always the thing you would start with. You know, shaking the person's hand and addressing them by their by their name, that kind of thing. With the online world, it's it's it is slightly different, but you still want to be presentable. And talking about clothes, um, I would still wear a shirt at least to an interview. And also, tr- don't fall into the trap of, because it's online, I'm just going to wear shorts and flip-flops. Because there might have to be a chance, you may have to get up <laughs> from your desk. Um, you, may, you may have an unexpected delivery or someone knocking at your door, and you may have to leave to get it. Um, so don't, you want to make sure that your, um, your trousers and your shoes <laughs> are still good. Um, and uh yeah <laughs> it sounds really daft right why would someone judge you on the on what you wear but people do people do um so you want to make sure that you and also you want to f- you want to feel comfortable in what you wear 
Um, it's an occasion. An interview is an occasion and people dress up for occasions and people, you know, I'll tell you a secret. Sometimes I will go, when I have interviews, I've had a bunch of interviews, uh, not so, you know, recently, I will go and, and, and brush my teeth. <laughs> I will, before an interview on Zoom, I will go and brush my teeth in some cases. Um, it basically, it's, it's a weird thing. I don't know why I do it. But sometimes it helps to prepare yourself. You know, you, you've lost, because everything's online now, you, you have lost a bit of time of thinking about things in your head. Um, and when I, when I was cleaning my teeth, that would be a time in which I would think about things or, you know. So, yeah, it's just those weird habits that uh, sometimes I still do. You know, I, uh, cleaning teeth is a good habit, right? But um, it's just a weird thing to prepare yourself. You are preparing yourself for the day or an event or something like that. And you should treat interviews the same. So a bit weird. Okay, so number four is during the interview, don't badmouth your previous company. The thing is, when you are, um, when you're being asked uh, about your experience, and also when the question comes up of why do you want to work in this company for this company or what can you bring to this company often or not you will go back to your previous experiences and if you've left a company in a bad sort of state you will sometimes come up with experiences bad experiences and you will you will try and judge the role that you're trying to get to is better than the role that you've left. And therefore you would be arguing, well, not arguing, but you will be, you will be bringing your old role role in a bad light to heighten the new role that you're going for to justify why you're doing that thing. Um, that's not good. Don't do that. Don't, don't bad mouth your old company. Even if you've got things to say, bad things to say about your old company, don't say them. <laughs> Don't say them. Or if you do, say it in a, an extremely generic way, you know, an extremely generic way of, of um, let's say, for instance, someone asks, you know, why, why do you prefer this stack than another stack, technical stack than another technical, or why do you prefer this sort of good practice than that good practice, or then you could possibly say that maybe, you know, I haven't had an opportunity to do this, use this stack or do good practice in terms of testing or, um, you know, whatever, because I haven't had the opportunity in the past, but I see that you do that. And therefore that's what I want to, to come on board to do. So you're, you're not, you're not sort of naming and shaming. <laughs> you're just, what you're doing is you're, is you're using your own experience or you're saying that, you know, this is something that I want to want to do and you are providing that. And therefore, that's that's one of the reasons why I've jumped on this uh, on this bandwagon. But don't say that, you know, your old company doesn't have any tests and they've they've got all these big clients and all. <laughs> nobody wants to know that. And also nobody wants to know whether or not, you, you know, you you've left an old company because you didn't get on with the. uh the people on the team, right? Because then that's a bad reflection on you uh, because they'll be like, well, maybe they didn't get on with you. <laughs> 
So, so yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't badmouth your old company. That's not good. Um, number six is know your CSV. This is uh, CV. This is now moving more into the technical space. So know your um, CV and make sure it makes sense. So when I say make sure it makes sense, I mean, uh, on your CV, you'll have like a timeline of events that you've done. Maybe it would be education. Maybe it would be um, uh, courses that you've been on. Maybe it will, it's work experience. There is a timeline of events that uh, is on your C on your CV. You want to make sure that those those that timeline marries up, right? So make sure that there isn't any overlap um, on your CV if there shouldn't be any overlap of time. So make sure it makes sense. And also make sure that you are aware of what you've done and what you can achieve. Um, and never lie on your CV. <laughs> That's such a bad thing, especially if you get caught out. Never say you know something that you don't know. Um, and if, you're, if your CV, once you've done your CV, have a look at it and see what, uh, what topics, technical things you've mentioned more than others. Okay. Those things are the things that you are, you, you are from paper more highly skilled in, and therefore you should know more about those than the other things because you have done more of those. You've done those things more often on your CV. Okay. So make sure that the balance of the skills on your CV actually matches up to your own skills. Um, don't just say that you've done, you know, a, bun a bunch of PHP or a bunch of Python when you really haven't done, or, you know, you haven't done that as much as say a bunch of JavaScript. So you want to make sure that your CV is a true reflection of you. Also, they're going to read the CV and they're going to quiz it. <laughs> they are going to quiz that CV. Okay. They was going to scrutinize that CV. That is their own thing. Before they meet you, that is their thing that they only know about you. Okay, so they're going to read that, and they're going to read that, and they're going to read that. And they're going to ask questions about that. So you, so when you go to your C, when you go to your interview, make sure that you have a copy of your CV. Also, if it's an online thing, make sure that you have a copy of your CV on another screen. <laughs> um, so when you, when you, talk about your experiences. And again, we'll get into those things in a minute. When you talk about your experiences, you are able to actually say the right date. You're able to uh, say the right technology. Because again, this goes back to the nervousness. Sometimes you'll just bumble over some, some technical aspect that you've actually defined in your CV, which is correct. But because you're nervous, uh, you will make a mistake. You'll say something that isn't actually factually true. What is factually true is on your CV. So make sure that you know it and know it well. Make sure it's at hand as well. Um, a little bit more on the CV, because there's a lot here on the CV, is uh, make sure that you are technically competent on the things that you put on your CV. And this is this isn't so much about lying on the CV. It's more about make sure that if you say that you are a Symfony developer, know Symfony, know the current versions, know the, uh, you know, some of the, the components, the co common components, um, 
if you're if you say that you you do react know the version of react that you do that kind of thing make sure that you you know the basics of the of the thing that you've said that you know <laughs> the thing is a lot of the time as developers we will will i don't want to use the word copy and paste but we will use things like stack overflow and it becomes an autopilot right so we aren't necessarily aware of the things that influence the things that we use because we just use them on a day-to-day -day basis like for instance on my cv i have react um and i've i certainly have used react in the past but if someone was to look at my cvs now um and compare that to to what i did last week what I did last week was mostly Elasticsearch, PHP, and jQuery. <laughs> so, so, you know, I would have to probably, if I was to do an have an interview and I was to going for a React role, I would probably need to clue myself up a little bit more on React just to grease the wheels a little bit. Um, I'll obviously get back into it very quickly, obviously, but um, it's not it's not a it's not always a true reflection of what you currently do right now. And the thing is us developers, we are we just get into the zone, our little environment, our own little world. Um, and before we know it, there's other things that we've put, perhaps put down on our CV and that and those things progress and evolve and pass us by. So another point is to keep that CV update updated. You know, you want to you want the first thing on that CV to be a true reflection of what you currently know and then the the other experiences after that are the things that you have known in a in sort of a prior experience. So they'll be more inclined to ask you questions of things that you've done in the last say a couple of months or last year rather than things that you've done say three years ago that kind of stuff um <laughs> okay i've got a point here that is uh never lie and again we've we've mentioned that but uh, i'll come up with another one uh also technical tests okay technical tests is um this is a tricky one because um it's I I have some views on technical tests. I think technical tests are broken. Um, I don't think they are a true reflection of someone in development. Um, like, for instance, the environment in which the technical test is given in is not a true environment of how you would work. Interviews are so weird because an interview isn't a carbon copy example of what your day-to-day -day role will be. And therefore, the, the questions that you get asked on your interview aren't going to be questions that you get asked every day, right? They're questions to understand your technical um, knowledge. But when it comes to technical uh, tests, that's really difficult because you don't write code in the same way you would do a technical test. Um, and, uh, you know, I've unfortunately had some really rotten tests in the past, I was asked once to do regex on paper, <laughs> so pen and paper, um, and they were um, uh, they asked me to do some regex in JavaScript, and uh, I just totally lost it, completely screwed up, and just yeah, it was the worst, one of the worst interviews I've had. Um, again, you wouldn't do that on paper, 
you you wouldn't do that at all. You would you wouldn't even dream of doing it. You know, so it's just another example. And all, some of these tests they require you to do it on site. Some of these tests they don't ask, they don't tell you beforehand. So my point is to expect the unexpected. Um, so ex, you know, so I have had job interviews where they'll go, oh, and there's a test. You know, when I walk in, it's like, oh, and there's a test because they want to see what how you think on your feet because they think that's a great me- thing to measure and metric. But it's not. <laughs> it's not. You've just taken someone who is extremely nervous, who's traveled a long distance, and then surprised them with a technical test. <laughs> Yay. Um, so, so technical tests are tricky. But if you get given a, if you, if you have to do a technical test, I would say um, the outcome of your code doesn't have to be correct. Um, I don't know if you've, I mean, when, when I did my GCSEs, I was always told to show my workings. So even if the answer is wrong, show how you got there. In programming, it's much the same. You, you are showing how you went about solving that problem. And one of the good things of a technical test, especially if you are actually being observed whilst on a test, the person observing you will be able to work out how your mind works and will be able to see how you go about solving that problem. Like, for instance, um, and this sounds like I'm for technical tests, um, but I'm not. <laughs> but for instance, um, if I was to have, if I needed to, um, if I had to do a technical test in, in front of someone and they gave me, and they asked me to use, bring in my own laptop, you know, they could see how my laptop was set up. They could see uh, how I go about using the IDE. They could see what shortcut keys I would use. They would see how I, ha- how proficient I am at my job as I do their technical test. So there are things good about a technical test. Um, I just think that going about them is wrong. <laughs> Doing a technical test in your own time, um, I've done many of these things where they they give you some some uh, something to do in the evening. Some of them are great. Some of them are really good. Um, but some of them are really, really tricky because the thing is, they there's a lot of tests out there that tr- try and trick you. So they won't explain very well what they're after. They will, they will lead you down different paths that you shouldn't even consider going down. I've had a few of these where they are trying to catch you out and it's annoying. <laughs> it's so annoying. It's so infuriating. Um, and also it's a lot of time, you know, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of time that you have to you have to take away take out of your um your day in order to well I would do it in the evening, right? So I would do it in the evening, but then then that screws you up because you don't have a good night's rest. You know you're worried about it. You know you you, you try and go above board. You know you do things that are um, far at far beyond the actual technical brief. I've done that before. I remember one test I was given uh, and they never asked for it to be in 
Um, you know, in CSS, you know, they never asked for things to look pretty, but I did it. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I tried to be the different, uh, candidate, you know, the one that they could pick on. Um, because it was, a uh, at the end of the day, these, the, these, some of these tests are visual, right? So if you're building something that they can visually see, then you want to make it visually better than another person's thing. Right. Um, but that took, that took an awful lot of time, <laughs> an awful lot of time. So yeah, I don't know. Technical tests are, uh, I think we need them, but I, uh, but at the same time, I think the way they're going, they're people where I think the way in which, uh, they're done is wrong, but I don't know the solution, unfortunately. The other one is to talk about your experiences. So, um, whenever you'll, you'll often get asked, uh, this kind of, this style of question, right? So this style of question is very common. It's kind of like, um, there is something on the, on their team, something that they've done or a technical thing that they've done in the past. And maybe they have acknowledged internally that what they've done is wrong and therefore they've had to go, they've had to do something else. Right. So you get this all the time. Maybe they've tried to migrate something or move something or do something. And, um, they, they spend a month doing it and realize it's the wrong thing. And so they have to pack backpedal and do something else. So they have that experience. They're going to ask you a question that is kind of related to that, but obviously they won't, they won't give it away. They won't, they won't give you the specifics, but they'll ask you how you would manage that, how you would deal with that. How would you handle that? And again, an example of this is, you know, maybe you're migrating from one piece of software to another piece of software or one database to another database. Maybe it's a case of, um, I mean, a common one is, you know, um, so moving from legacy code or going from um, a monolith to microservices or something like that, something that is quite generic, but very common and maybe something that they've done before. And therefore they are aware of the pitfalls and other bits and pieces like that. If you can try and relate it back to an experience that you've got, because what you want, what you're looking for is a synergy. I hate that word, but you're, you're looking for a, a parallel between your experience and their experience, which means, and if, and if you can get that, it shows that you've experienced it in perhaps maybe a different way, or maybe you've, you've, uh, approached it in a different way. And that builds upon a conversation. Um, the, one of the popular ones is, um, you know, what would you, how, how would you tackle moving from, uh, a, you know, a legacy system? How would you go about upgrading that? Or how, how would you go about writing code on a legacy system when it's not tested? Uh, th those kind of things where you can, you can now draw upon experience and go, well, you know, previously I did this and previously I did that. Obviously, Due to uh, things like NDAs and other other contractual agreements, you can't get into specifics yourself, but you can talk about like how you can talk about maybe the technical decisions that you you came across, and maybe some of the things that were challenging you. 
Um, that's always a good thing. Try and bring it back to the context of their question though. Don't just suddenly go off on a side walk and a side rant um, and talk about something that is completely irrelevant. Um, but, um, but try and link it, try and link their question to something that you have experienced. The, the whole problem with this whole interview process is that you have to think on your feet. You, it's very, you know, you got to think, you got to be very on the ball. Uh, you have to marry. Often I will come back, I'll come away from an interview and, um, I, will go, oh, I wish I said that. I wish, you know, I wish I would have said that experience rather than that experience, or I, I wish I didn't talk too much about this thing. You have a period, you, the thing is you get a, a, a time slot, right? A time slot, say 45 minutes or an hour or an hour and a half. And you have to prove to some stranger that you haven't seen before, but perhaps you've read about on LinkedIn you have to prove to them that you can actually integrate well in their team and also be co technically competent enough to actually take on their cha challenge and be a benefit to their team. That's what you're there for. Um, and you have a very short period of time to do that. And they have probably seen many, many candidates before you, and they're probably tired and it's just, you know, another candidate. Ugh. So it's it, the whole interview process, I think, is just not a, a great way of getting a job, <laughs> but unfortunately it is the only way. <laughs> we talk about technical tests. It's not always the right answer they are looking for. Um, it's the way in which you solve the problem. So there's that. Also read up on the company as well. Uh, so when they'll, one of the first questions they'll ask is, what do you know about us? Or, you know, I don't know if the agent that you've spoken to has said much about us, that kind of thing. Um, so you want to read up on them. If, if you're given their details, look them up on LinkedIn personally, find them uh, and see what they've done. Uh, you know, make sure that you know their names. And also I tell you what, an, a good one is when you sign off, say goodbye and say goodbye their name, right? because then that shows that you have, you know who they are. It's not just some randomers that you're speaking to. You've actually done some research and also go and if they've got a couple of blog articles, read the blog articles. Unfortunately in our space, you don't always get a, an opportunity to, especially in the contracting world, you don't always get a good opportunity to, to actually investigate on what, on the thing that you could possibly be doing because you're a contractor, it's very vanilla and generic at the, at the front, but there are things that you can do to research and, and look into. Um, it's different when you're a full-timer because if you're a full-timer and you're working in a big company, you can kind of guess what you're doing <laughs> um, and, you, and what you're working on. Or if they're a web agency, you can have a look at their website and see their current client base um, and, you might be working on one of those projects or you might be working on a new project, but you'll be working on a similar project, shall we say. So that will give you a, an element of an idea of what you're doing. Um, that helps you to prepare yourself. And it also helps to prepare your quest, your, um, your experiences. If you can, if you can look at their blog or if you can look at their portfolio, if they're a web agency, if they've done a lot of work for other people, sorry. Um, if you can, if you can link those to your 
work as well, then that's a really good you know, connection. So for instance, if they're an event-based company and they're doing events and they're holding events and you've done a few events, you know, like live streams, or if you've, if you've done, um, if you've built a couple of websites for conferences, that kind of thing, then you could, you could bring those to the forefront rather than, you know, the, uh, the microsites or the the e-commerce sites that you've done that they aren't actually interested in because they don't do anything with with e-commerce. Do you see what I mean? You're trying to build, you're trying to mold your experiences around their experiences and linking them together. It's all about trying to prove to them that you will easily fit in and adapt to their environment because you've been in a similar environment beforehand. Does that make sense? Um, and the, 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 the more of that you, that you can show and prove, um, the better in your favor it becomes, I think. So, yeah, I don't actually, I kind of can't see here. What's the 41 minutes? Okay, we're only 41 minutes across. That's not so bad. But yeah, um, interviewing is, is a tricky beast, <laughs> but we all have to do it. We all have bad experiences. We all have good experiences. Um, don't let one bad experience deter you from doing it again, though. Um, it doesn't always get easier, but you start getting a thicker skin, I think. So, um, for instance, uh, I had some really bad experiences with, with technical tests, um, technical interviews. I, I really screwed up on them, um, big time. And I, I did for a long period of time. I did. I took the opinion, had the opinion that I would never do a technical test again. If there was a job that had a technical test in it, I would never do it again. But I got over that, <laughs> and I've done technical tests, and I've got jobs because of doing those. So, you know, don't let one bad experience screw you up. Um, it, every every interview is different. Every client is different. Uh, every conversation is different. So if you've got one bad experience, then use that as a, a lessons learned type thing, but don't see that as the be all and end all of, of your, your whole experience, because let me tell you, it's different. And also you can, once you have a bad experience, you can analyze that and go, well, Maybe these were the things that led up to that experience. And therefore, if that was to ever happen again, I will know that this is not a good thing and I will get out of there. I'll come back to the thing I said before about time. You know, this is a time-based stuff thing. And um, there's all that time that you've spent preparing for the interview. There's all that time you're going to spend thinking about that interview after the interview. If you have to, get out of that interview because you think it's going in a bad direction, then go for it. You're going to save time. <laughs> and uh, that, that's in my book, that's perfectly, that's perfectly fine. You can literally just say, sorry, I'm, I'm off, but also just make sure that you have, you, you've done the best that you can do, Right. But there are, unfortunately, there are some really bad eggs out there. Um, not, not all, but some of them, they're, they're just, yeah. I can remember there was one where, <laughs> I don't know if I should be saying this, but it was almost like uh, there was one 
there was a HR guy and there was a, uh, a technical dude. And um, it was almost like the technical person was trying to prove to the HR person that he should still have his job and that he was using me to, to boost his ego, you know, which just, would just, it wasn't good. It was actually laughable. Um, it was like, oh, okay. So actually the interview was just to show how good you were rather than analyze how, you know, if I was actually an effective use to your team, <laughs> it was, it was trying to keep your back. So the, yeah, there, there's some real, there's some real, uh, funky ones, shall we say? Oh dear. So yeah, I'll rattle through those again. So expect to be nervous, right? Expect to be nervous, but, but manage it. Uh, be on time. So be early. Don't just be on time, be early. Expect them to be on time. Uh, you basically, if it's an online thing, you basically want to be the first person there. Um, be presentable. So make sure that you look nice and uh, do the things that you would normally do if you were to get, take a, an interview um, and travel there. So if you were to do your hair or brush your teeth or, you know, whatever, do those things. Don't just roll out of bed and, and uh, log on to Zoom. <laughs> Um, don't badmouth your your previous company. Don't do that at all. Um, read up on the company. So you want to make sure that you any kind of thing that you can uh, you can research about the company you've got. You want to make sure that you know the people who are interviewing you. Um, obviously not in a personal way, but you want to make sure that you you know their names, you know their roles, um, you know why they are there, right? Uh, also know the stuff on your CV and make sure it's correct, right? There's, there's no, don't, don't, don't have like overlapping dates that shouldn't be there on your CV. That just shows sloppiness, right? So make sure that you read your CV many, many times and make sure your CV is, is available to you. If you're going into an interview, make sure that you bring a copy yourself. Um, and also, if it's an online thing, make sure you, you have a copy of your CV up on screen so you can see it. Um, make sure that you are technically competent in the things on your CV that are there the most. And when I mean technically competent, I mean, I also mean um, make sure that you are aware of the latest and greatest things in those, in those uh, technical skills. Uh, technical tests are not always, um, just expecting the right answers. So technical tests are a way for people to see how you solve problems. Um, especially if it's a technical test where they're having to observe you. And I've had a few of those before. They are extremely terrifying. Um, but at least it shows how you would tackle a problem. My advice with that, and we can probably go into a whole episode on technical on technical tests but my advice to you is to try and ignore them um ignore the people who are or ignore the no don't ignore them that's not the right thing ignore the fact that they are analyzing your every move <laughs> um uh you and you want to try and you want to try and be relaxed to the point where you are able to um if you make a mistake and you will to laugh about it, joke about it, um, you know, and if they are, 
if they are able to comment on things, make sure that you can you listen to them and you acknowledge their comment and you feed that into your next steps. Um, don't just try and go down one route. If someone's telling you do something else or, you know, it's on a different line or, you know, uh, is the method really called that, that kind of thing. They obviously know more <laughs> than you at that point. So you need to acknowledge that and, and, uh, and, and use that and try and laugh off any stupid mistakes because you will make them. Um, but like I said, we could talk about technical tests for a long time. Okay, so never lie, never, ever, ever lie, either on your CV or when someone's asking you a question. Never try and come up with an experience that has never happened before, to, you, you know, that you've never, you've never experienced. And you're only saying it because you think it just fits the narrative. Don't do that. That's just stupid and daft. They'll catch you out. Um, and talk about your experiences but in their contexts. So if, they, if they've done, like I said, a, a previous project where they've made some decisions and they've had a bit of struggle and they've learned a few things along the road, if they ask you how you would manage that, how you would tackle that, how you would handle those kind of things, you want to look upon, you want to lean on your experiences, but you want to talk about it in, in their context. So you want to see if you can marry up your experiences to their experiences, link them up. Um, and because that shows that you are, a, you're more of a compatible fit because you've had those same challenges that they've had. You may have approached it differently, but you can talk about those different approaches. Um, and uh, I guess the last one is to listen. The thing is, the thing is with the interviews, when I, when I was new to this game, I thought the interview was all about me. I thought the interview was all about me and I was trying to prove how good I was, but it's not. <laughs> it's not all about you. The interview is also about the person who's interviewing you. You have to listen to them. You have to listen to their questions. You have to come away from that interview and you have to yourself decide whether you want to work for them. So it, it can be quite easy to just get into an interview and then just go 100 miles an hour and, and then it just becomes one massive blur. But if you can think about conversation, if you come, come away from that interview and actually think about the conversations that you've had and, you know, you can think about the the things that they've said, the things that they've asked, your responses, it means that you have taken the time to actually think about the thing, you know, it be very mindful of your answers, of what they're, what they're asking. Um, and you can come up with us, you know, it's not all about money. <laughs> People think that, oh, I'm just going to land in a job that has the best money. It's, that's not always the case. <laughs> The thing is, there's all sorts of things that you need to think about yourself. Is it the is it a correct working environment? Do you think yourself, you, that you could actually get on with these people? Or are they people that you wouldn't get on with? You know, could you go on a conference with them? Could you uh, have take lunch with them? You know, all of those kind of things that you have to think about yourself. 
Um, so it's not all about you. It's not all about trying to prove how good you are. It's also about them and trying to understand or trying to work out whether you feel comfortable working for them as well. Um, and also when they ask you, because they'll ask you this question, um, have you got anything to ask? Try and ask something. Even if you... Even if you, even if, even if you've come up with a bunch of questions beforehand, and that's something I should have mentioned, come up with a bunch of questions that you want to ask them before you have the interview. I should have mentioned that. Um, but even if they've answered all of those questions, see if you can come up with another one. Um, and also if you can come up with another question off the back of a conversation that they've had, that would be great. Store it, store it for later. Uh, at the end of the interview, they should ask you, do you have any other questions? And then boom. You ask, you, you ask that question. Um, tr you don't want to say no. <laughs> um, or if, if you have to say no, say, I may have some questions later on, but can I email you them? <laughs> um, otherwise, it's like you're just shutting the door. So you want to, be, you want to make sure that, that you, you have that open dialogue. It's not just them asking you questions. It's you asking them questions as well. And they, will, they should, if they're any good, they, they should give you the opportunity to ask, ask questions. So make sure that you've got a bunch of questions ready uh, for that. Anyway, we, I've got to, we have hit time. Thank you ever so much, everybody, for joining today. Uh, I do appreciate that. I'm sorry about the setup here. It's all, it's very dark. I don't know why. And uh, we don't have all the the right gear installed because I'm running off of a different machine uh, because I have a different desk set up at the moment and uh, not all the right things are plugged in. But thank you ever so much for watching episode 96 and being a part of it. Uh, tomorrow, episode 95 will be released. Um, so you can find all that on all the podcast players, say Spotify, iTunes, all of that stuff. Um, just search for How to Code Well. If you've got any questions, please let me know, uh, but do so on the Discord channel. Go to Discord server, sorry. Go to howtocodewell.net forward slash Discord, um, and uh, you can ask questions there. Alternatively, you can hook me up on Twitter. Go to um, twitter.com forward slash how to code well, all one word, how to code well, and uh, I'm more than happy to... Uh, to have a conversation about this later. But uh, thank you ever so much for watching. Happy coding, everybody. And I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Bye-bye.